This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Breaking news, resistance mounts to the prison reform bill in the United States Senate. Welcome to the program. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yes, I'm going to have a lot to say about the Iowa caucuses, my analysis, my take on it uh, for Trump supporters. You can come in off the ledge. Okay, it's not over. I'm also going to talk a little bit about the... Uh, of the damage done by uh, Mrs. Bill Clinton's passing top secret information over her private server, which was unprotected, what that might mean moving forward. And I'm also going to talk about this um, terrorism case in Milwaukee, my hometown, uh, from a couple of weeks ago. And I just want to walk you through that and where it's at prosecution-wise. I've talked about, I've talked about that incessantly on this program. And I'm going to point out once again, using that case uh, as a case study as to why our approach to this uh, homegrown radicalization uh, is ineffective and is not going to cripple ISIS's attempt to radicalize Americans here at home for attacks. But here's where I want to start. Chicago records 51 homicides in January, the highest toll since two. This is from the USA Today. Police say the number of homicides in the city climbed dramatically in January to 51 in the bloodiest start to the year in at least 16 years. Folks, this is the nation's third largest city. 51 homicides and 241 non-fatal shootings. In other words, 241 other people were shot but didn't die. This is in a great American city. Chicago, Illinois. Rahm Emanuel, mayor. Long run by liberal Democrat politicians. This is an example of the failed urban policies of the left in running a city. 51 homicide. Go back to the Ebola scare from a couple of years ago. I think two people died nationwide. And look at the panic. Look at the media attention. By the way, nothing from the media on this. 
maybe just to mention, like the USA Today, one article. But guess what? Out of these 51 homicides in January, not one of these people was killed by the Chicago Police Department. Not one. This is a result of black-on-black crime. The new superintendent of Chicago, who took over after uh, Gary McCarthy was thrown overboard by Rahm Emanuel in an attempt to save his rear end, Superintendent John Escalante, he blames gangs. He blames social media. He blames the gun. No, it is black subculture behavior in the underclass in the city of Chicago. If you do not properly diagnose this thing, you will apply the wrong interventions. Not only are they doing it here, they're doing it in, in my hometown, Milwaukee. The police chief, Ed Flynn, once again, blaming the gun. We had some. Um, we had a very uh, violent and deadly month in January 2016 as well. And he blames the gun, the prevalence of gun, guns. Although when crime was down during his tenure, about five, six years ago, he was taking bows. He wasn't blaming the NRA for the decrease in crime. He wasn't giving them any credit. He wasn't saying... The uh, a lack of proliferation of guns has led to the reduced violence. No, it was his plans, his deployment strategies that were doing it. 51 homicides. Last year at this time in January in Chicago, they had 29 murders. The year before that, they had 20 And now they're up to 50. It's January. At this pace, they'll be, they're on a pace now for over 600 homicides. And who knows how many non-fatal shootings. Chicago, Illinois, Chirac, as some like to call it. These killing totals are an abomination. And of course, we hear nothing from President Barack Obama. Nothing from the liberal mainstream media. It's just black people dying, right? That's really their attitude. That's not newsworthy. This is some black people being shot and killed. Gunned down in the streets of an American city. Where's the outrage? And by the way, where's black lies matter? Black L-I-E-S matter. Where are they? I thought black lives matter. 51 people, mainly black, violently gunned down on the streets of Chicago, and this full movement, Black Lives Matter, is nowhere to be found. Not a peep out of them. I don't see them in the streets trying to quell the violence. I don't see them in the streets of Chicago trying to play peacemaker. I mean, this is, to me, and folks, I've been doing this for a long time. Law enforcement, public safety. What's kind of interesting, what's going on in there as well. You know, they had that that ugly shooting uh, that was released back in December. It happened over a year ago where Rahm Emanuel and, and Gary McCarthy hid the video as to what had happened. 
So they're trying to figure out, you know, what's 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 going on here in Chicago. Well, first of all, you're not having the assertive policing that I've talked about. I know what I'm talking about when it comes to policing. There's not many things I claim to be an expert on, but this is one of them. Policing mattered. Cops matter. And I said that this war on police, this bashing of police, was going to have a negative impact. And it has in Ferguson, in St. Louis, in Milwaukee. It's had a negative impact. The police were, if police were less assertive, the crooks, the criminals, you know, the ones that we're feeling sorry for, and I say we, the, including Republicans on Capitol Hill, that have developed a soft spot in their heart for the criminal element, they've taken note too. And they have seized the day. One of the things that the Chicago Police Department noticed It says it has seen a decrease in investigative stops by cops in the streets after new rules went into effect January 1st, requiring the police department to bolster the monitoring of stops and protective pat-downs known as stop and frisk. Why are they focusing on the police? They should be focusing on young black male behavior, violent behavior. They're working on the wrong thing. That's why they can't stop this. The war on police is causing this. And then it says here in this USA Today article, the department has also asked the Cook County Sheriff's Department to step up enforcement of individuals on supervised release and act on outstanding arrest warrants. Next, we're going to talk about this, this inane prison reform idea. Turning these guys back into the street, but now they're asking the Cook County Sheriff's Office to step up enforcement of individuals on supervised release. Why are these guys out on the street? We'll talk about that next. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. One final thought on that city of Chicago situation. You know, the police department entered into an agreement with the American Civil Liberties Union to record contacts for all street stops 
after the organization criticized the city's police for disproportionately targeting minorities for questioning and searches. It's not disproportionate when put up against the disproportionate rate of black-on-black violence. The disproportionate rate of black victims. The disproportionate rate of young black males involved in criminal behavior. The disproportionality of the stops is explained away very simply. So the cops see this stuff and they go, how the hell with it? The hell with it? You want to see what life without the police is like? You're seeing it in Chicago. You're seeing it in Baltimore. You're seeing it in Milwaukee. Less assertive policing. Later in the program, we're gonna. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the Iowa caucuses, but you're going to have to wait. Can't put all the good stuff out right away. Although this is all good stuff. Next, I want to talk about this uh, bill sweeping through the Senate for criminal justice reform and sentencing reform, and seems to have hit a snag. You know, I talked about this last week in depth. This is important, folks. Here's why it's important. Not because I think it's important. Because it relates to just what I talked about. Crime out of control. And it's spreading. Remember, I've I've said in the past, crime is like water. It seeks its own level. You can't contain it. It seeks its own level. Crime is going to be a major issue in this presidential election campaign leading up to November. Write it down, I said it. It is going to be an issue. So it's important for us to stop this movement. And I need your help here. I need you to help me push. Call Senator Tom Cotton's office. Email him. uh, Senator McCarthy. Some of these people who, who are on are, are trying to push back against this nonsense and give up an issue that the Republicans have owned forever. Crime control, law and order. Tough on crime. And they're going to give it away. And remember what I said, this really is all about sensitivity. Feign sensitivity. Listen to what John Cornyn, Senator John Cornyn said, He's one of the he's the author of this bill that, that passed the Senate Judiciary, but McConnell's afraid to bring it to the floor right now because it is causing a lot of heartache between Republicans. Here's what um, uh, Cornyn said about this: It doesn't hurt to show you. It doesn't hurt to show that you actually care. This is a statement that is not just symbolic, but actually shows that you care about people. It doesn't hurt to show some empathy. That's from Cornyn, who claims to be a conservative. Those words come right out of the mouths of liberals on this issue. Let me read that again. This is in quotes. It's not hurt to show that you actually care. This is a statement that is not just symbolic, but actually shows that you care about people. It doesn't hurt to show some empathy. Yes, it does. It hurts crime victims. Senator Cornyn, 
Where's the empathy for them? Why don't you show them that you care? So anyway, this thing is is hitting some snags and good. I got this from the New York Times. Senator John Cornyn, a former Texas judge and attorney general, is a devoted believer in the criminal justice overhaul awaiting its moment in the Senate. Now he just has to convert doubting Republican colleagues. Mr. Cornyn, the number two Senate Republican and a main author of the criminal justice legislation, which would cut some sentences and ease reentry after prison, it's get out of jail, okay? Uh, anyway, he's working to address fears from fellow Republicans that passage of the bill would set loose some dangerous offenders and diminish the party's law and order image. And it would. I talked about it last week. What are these people doing? Acknowledging the deep skepticism, Mr. Cornyn said in an interview that his job was to educate Republicans who are only beginning to focus on the legislation and make it clear that it would not throw open the gates of federal prisons. Yes, it would. And when Cornyn says to educate fellow Republicans, translate that to brainwash with this, um, it'll reduce crime, it's good for public safety, it'll lead to less costs, and it'll show that we care. All nonsense. All lies, by the way. I, I talked about it last week. If you didn't hear that, go back and listen to it. None of that crap is true. So when he says educate, he really means brainwash. So he, he says here, quote, nobody is getting out of jail free, which is some of the characterization that is out there, said Mr. Coyne, who describes himself as, as conservative as they come. You know that old saying, if they say it ain't about the money, it's about the money. That applies here. If he says nobody is getting out of jail free, that means people are getting out of jail free, and he knows it. And he knows that that simple statement, you know, when you come up with stuff, you want it concise, you want it short, you want it easy to understand, get out of jail free. People understand that. They've heard that forever. They know what it means. So someone came up with an effective way to label this thing. I've used that before in describing that. I'm not saying I came up with it. But that's what this is. So anyway, um, Mitch McConnell has been cautious on the issue, and other Republicans have expressed increasingly vocal opposition with the latest resistance coming from Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, and I, I, I talked about him last week. Good for Tom Cotton. Anyway, Cotton says, I don't believe we should allow thousands of violent felons to be released early from prison, nor do I believe we should reduce sentences for violent offenders in the future. Cotton says that the criminal justice legislation was being driven by myth of mass incarceration of low-level nonviolent offenders in federal prison, and that most prisoners had already had their sentences cut under plea bargains. See, that's the reality. That's the truth. These people do not need our pity, nor are they worthy of our pity. I'd like to hear from some of the victims of these individuals. Anyway, Cornyn goes on to say, this is all part of uh, his calculation. We're trying to work with him and all my colleagues and figure out a way to get this done. He's talking about uh, Mitch McConnell. It's not the kiss of death if you don't do this in 2016, but I would like to think we have a window here. Good. He's feeling the heat. Cornyn knows 
He's losing control of this thing, and he might not get to a floor vote. That's what we got to do here, folks. We have to stall this thing so that in 2016, in the new Congress, we will be ready like we weren't ready this time. And we can mount a defense to kill this thing once and for all. Back to the uh, story here. Another part of the calculation is the 2016 battle for the Senate and the vulnerability of some Republican incumbents in swing states. Some analysts have suggested it could help Republicans by broadening their appeal to independents. Democrats and minorities uh, as well who believe that the criminal justice is unfairly tilted. First of all, no, they don't. Law-abiding people do not care about these creeps. Only liberals do. Criminal advocates do. Defense attorneys do. They care. Democrats, independents, moderate Republicans, moderate Democrats do not care about these criminal creeps. David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up on Pat and Stu. I just said Bernie Sanders is 75 years old. He won't be 75 until September 8th. He's a spring chicken. He's only 74 years old. So no wonder the young kids are, are loving him. You know, he can relate to him. He's listening to, you know, uh, this wacky new music, this dubstep. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Now I want to get into this Mrs. Bill Clinton email scandal. I think that's what it's being referred to. There's a criminal investigation going on now, being conducted by the FBI, as to whether classified information was illegally passed through her secret server. There's a couple of moving parts here that I think are, are, are worth pointing out. First of all, now the last batch of emails, the State Department is saying we cannot release these emails because there's too much classified information, top secret, highly classified information that would compromise national security in her emails. Well, wait a minute. Mrs. Bill Clinton said no classified information passed through her email server, her unprotected email server. But you got to, you know, she's very Clinton-esque. You, you got to listen to what she says. She says she didn't pass. She didn't pass classified information through that server. That doesn't mean she didn't receive it. She got to listen to these people when they're talking. It's like, depends on what the definition of is is, right? It depends on, uh, in Mrs. Bill Clinton's part, on her part, I should say, it depends on did I pass it or did I receive it? And, and what is the definition of receiving me? It's how crazy this is. By the way, I was on uh, uh, this week with Charles Payne on Fox Business News, and I made that reference in talking about this um, classified information. And one of the guests was some Democrat strategist, and uh, she tried to chide me for calling her Mrs. Bill Clinton. You know, to which I interrupted and said, uh, she's not a self-made woman. 
And everything this woman has accomplished in life was because of her husband. She became the first lady of Arkansas because of Bill Clinton. She became the first lady of the United States because of Bill Clinton. She became the, a United States senator from New York because of the Clinton name. She became the Secretary of State because of the Clinton name. And now she's a candidate for President of the United States because of her husband, Bill Clinton, and his name. She's not a self-made woman. She's been riding his coattails her entire life. And so now people are taken aback that I use the traditional Mrs. Bill Clinton. The woman has accomplished nothing on her own. If she didn't have that last name Clinton, if she didn't marry Bill Clinton, she'd be some two-bit attorney working in some government prosecutor's office handling who knows what traffic tickets. No one has ever talked about her brilliant mind in terms of jurisprudence. One of the other reasons I do that is because she's constantly bashing the police. Calling the police racist. Saying the police need to be transformed and retrained. And that they were the cause for the problems in Ferguson, in Baltimore, in New York, and countless cities across the United States. You pick a fight with me over the police. I fight unconventionally. And as long as she's going to continue to attack the police, I'm going to refer to her as Mrs. Bill Clinton. But anyway, I digress. The White House has kind of tiptoed around this thing and said, yeah, there's some uh, national secrets in there, and this, this shouldn't be turned over, released to the public. The email release. Well, wait a minute. All of those things cannot be true. They are mutually exclusive. They cannot all occur at the same time. Mrs. Bill Clinton says, nothing classified was passed through my server. Well, then the State Department can't say those emails contain sensitive classified information. And the White House can't do that either. This woman has single-handedly Compromise the national security of the United States of America to hide stuff from the public with the secret server. There is no doubt that classified information illegally was passed through that server. It's a matter of who did it, who's involved. There may be numerous people involved here, but she's one of them. The only thing that 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 really uh, that, that this really comes down to here is will she ever be charged with a crime? Put me down on record as saying she will never see the inside of a courtroom over this. That's right. We have been here before with the Clintons, and it isn't just the Clintons. These Washington politicians, the Washington class, the political class, that there's a different standard for them. Especially if you're a Democrat. If you have a Republican, you might go down. Because the Dems will push it. 
I hope I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, you can go ahead and rub my nose in it that I said she'd never see the inside of a courtroom of this. I will enjoy that. Having you rub my nose in that statement I just made, she will never see the inside of the court of a courtroom over this. Part of the reason isn't just because of her elite status. Some of it has to do with the fact that this may implicate the White House and this may implicate others. John Kerry. Who knows who she was exchanging emails with in this last batch they won't turn over. These may be these may attach some culpability outside of her. So it is not in Barack Obama's best interest to allow his attorney general, Loretta Lynch, to go ahead with a criminal prosecution where she may just be able to turn around and say, hey, I got this stuff from the president of the United States. I didn't send it. He did. Or this came from the White House staff. This came from... Some of this came from, you know, who, whoever, and start dropping names. Then what? That's why I don't think that she'll ever see the inside of a courtroom. But the fact remains that this was very damaging to the national security. She's handling this stuff as if she's exchanging bunt cake recipes with people over her email system. That's the way she was handling national secrets, classified information that we know is in the hands of the enemy. We know this. And this woman now wants to be the commander-in-chief. This woman now wants to be the president of the United States. First of all, if she ever does reach that office, the first thing she's going to do is destroy all of this stuff. She'll order it destroyed. It won't end up in the National Archives to be released at some later date, because eventually they do end up releasing this stuff, maybe 10 years from now. But eventually we're going to know. It'll never... Remember Sandy Berger? There's another example. A Democrat who went into the National Archives and stole original documents. A felony. And he wiggled off the hook with some misdemeanor. Oh, he was sloppy with the... Uh, sloppy? He went in there and intentionally stole documents to protect his former boss, Bill Clinton. Yeah, there are two Americas. It isn't rich and poor. It isn't black and white. It's the elites in Washington, D.C., and then it's the rest of us. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. And when he said that night of the of the horrible explosion and crash that those seven souls had slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. It just gut-punched all of us. Powerful stuff. It reminds you of just what Reagan had as an orator. Pure Opelka. Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Okay, folks, final segment. Uh, Before I get into what I want to talk about here, you can follow me during the week 
on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and at thepeoplesheriff.com. This is coming across the AP wire. D.C. bill would pay people stipends not to commit crimes. They say crime doesn't pay, but that might not be entirely true in the District of Columbia as lawmakers look for ways to discourage people from becoming repeat offenders. That used to be called jail and prison. Back to the story here. The D.C. Council voted unanimously Tuesday to approve a bill that includes a proposal to pay residents a stipend not to commit crimes. It's based on a program in Richmond, California, that advocates say has contributed to deep reductions in crime there. I think that's a lie, as it always is. Under the bill, city officials would identify up to 200 people a year who are considered at risk of either committing or becoming victims of violent crime. Uh, If they're going to try to identify victims in the D.C. area, they would have to include everybody. Back to the story, those people would be directed to participate in behavioral behavioral therapy and other programs. If they fulfill those obligations and stay out of trouble, they would get paid. Folks, that is an insult. First of all, majority of the population that lives in the federal district, not in the northern Virginia area, the outlying area, the district are black. So basically what they're saying is they're going to pay black people not to commit crimes. That is an insult. That is basically saying that black people don't have the character or they don't have the discipline to do the right thing that it's not in them. That's what I find insulting. That we have to be paid. Black people have to be paid to do the right thing. We'll see how that goes as it moves through the D.C. Council. All right, now let's get to the presidential first caucus held in Iowa last Monday. What did I learn from Iowa? In a nutshell, on to New Hampshire. I think very little uh, occurred after the caucuses. You know what happened. Ted Cruz finished first, Donald Trump second, Marco Rubio third, but only four points separated the top three. So as far as I'm concerned, this is my analysis. There's no winner or loser here, right? It's the first one. It's a caucus. The first one, my understanding, 180,000 registered Republicans came out to participate in the caucus. From what I read, that is only 10% of the total number of registered Republicans in the state of Iowa. So we're talking about a very small sample pool to begin with. Every time a rock moves, the pundits, the political elites, the Washington establishment, They act as if the earth came off of its axis because Ted Cruz finished first, Donald Trump second, Marco Rubio third. I'll tell you something else I learned from this. The polls are wrong. How many times haven't you heard me on this program advise you? I don't tell you what to do, not often. Advise you, don't pay attention to the polls. The polls all got it wrong. Most of them had Trump finishing first by a pretty comfortable margin. They had Cruz dropping like a rock during the week leading up to the caucuses, and they had Marco Rubio surging. Well, if you look at the finish, Cruz first, the pundits and the polls were wrong. 
Trump second, the polls were wrong. And Rubio third, the polls were wrong. Here's how this breaks down. And this is what you have to keep in mind. And all I'm trying to do is tell everybody to just get a grip. This is a marathon, folks. It is not a sprint. For you Trump supporters, just relax. We will be talking a different narrative, as far as I'm concerned, after New Hampshire. All the people that are shoveling dirt onto the grave of Donald Trump, put the shovels down. Anybody who's writing Donald Trump's obituary, put the pen down and back away. This thing just started. And I can say good and bad about any of these top three candidates. I like them all. I don't have a dog in this fight yet. I want to make that clear. I'm still at that at the fence watching these horses come around that final turn with my binoculars out. I'm still waiting. They're still jockeying for position. Here's how this breaks down. Don't forget, this is about not votes, but delegates. In the Republican primary, you need about 1,237 delegates to secure the nomination. So after Iowa, here's what we know. Cruz has eight. Rubio has seven, Trump has seven, Carson three, Bush, Fiorina, and Kasich one. The rest have none. So Cruz is leading with eight delegates, with Rubio and Trump seven. This is basically a push right now. If you know what I mean in betting, if there's odds and you, 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 you let's say it's a seven-point spread and, and you take the uh, the points and it ends up seven. It's a push. Nobody wins. It, 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 it's the same in, in blackjack. Dealer has 18 and you have 18. It's a push. Nobody won. Nobody lost. Well, there's a couple of losers at the end here. You know, as you know by now, Rick Santorum is out. Rand Paul is out. Those are Those are tremors. And everybody, all the pundits and everybody's asking, well, who's who are they going to throw their support behind? I don't really care. They have no delegates. They don't own their voters. Their voters will make an independent decision as to who to get behind. And if you've had to dismount Rand Paul and Rick Santorum voters, and I told, told you about this, I advise people keep your powder dry. That's okay if you get me behind a can. I don't, I'm not against that. I'm just waiting. I'm patient. Because we have a long way to go. Remember I said it's a marathon, not a sprint. There'll be emotional ups and downs. I'm seeing it on Twitter. The Trump people are panicking. In knee-jerk fashion, they're, they're, they're attacking the, 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 the Cruz people and the, 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 the uh, Marco Rubio. It's not necessary. Your guy is still in this race. You know, maybe you bought into the polls. There was some overconfidence here. Let's face it. I mean, Donald himself kept pointing, I'm leading in the polls, I'm leading. And I keep telling you in my program, don't pay attention to the polls. Here's what you want to do in politics. And I'm elected politics. And don't forget, I've run in elections. I think I've been in about 10 of them. Yeah, it's for sheriff. But you know what? It is very hard to win an election at any level. I have some experience. Maybe not at the the, the presidential Level, but here's what I know about politics. What you want to do is you want to 
under promise and over deliver. And I think Trump got caught up in doing the opposite. He was over promising what was going to happen. People were out there talking about he was going to sweep the first three and this thing was going to be over. And I was chuckling. I, I chuckled. I said, this thing is so far from being over. It's unreal. This is going to go well into the late spring, early summer before somebody secures his nomination. So that's just my take. You know, like I said, even after New Hampshire, after New Hampshire is going to be on to South Carolina. So take a deep breath. And, you know, don't overreact to every little thing that happens in this early part of this process. There is a long way to go. Thanks for joining me. David Clark. The People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network.